TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's the Score North Twin Show. It's the Score North First Place Twins Show, live from Bombasota, the land of 10,000 rakes. The magic number is 65. I'm Rami Makloff, along with Derek Wetmore, Manny Hill, on the other side of the glass, and joining us right out of the gates on the show, a very special guest, Derek Wetmore. On a hotline. I don't know how we got this guy, to be quite honest with you. This is a big booking. Good job, Manny Hill. Judd Zolgad joins us on the Score North First Place Twins show. Tough live, to get me, guys. Live from Target <laughs> Field. We've been trying to get this worked out, Judd, for, what, about 45 minutes? It's just been a long road, man, trying to get you on. Oh, my talent fee is very, very high, as you all know, so let's make this as valuable as possible. Well, I understand you're there to cover uh, Twins baseball today, obviously, at Target Field, but Twins baseball is uh, going to take a minute to start. I just saw a tweet from you a few minutes ago that there is a tarp on the field. Is that correct? There is a tarp on home plate. There is a tarp on the mound. There's not a tarp on the field, but okay. we didn't have. Uh, we're playing the anthem right now, and pitchers uh, who I guess started the warm up stopped. So it, it indicates to me that they are going to that they're expecting rain here shortly. Uh, we have not heard an announcement yet. So I guess the next question becomes: Are we going to be delayed for a while, or are we going to have a brief delay, and then they're going to try and play? My guess is we are going to have what we folks here in the Twin Cities here like to call intermittent shouters throughout the day, so mm. they're going to need to find the right windows in which to get this game in and get the Mets the heck out of this town. It's weird. I couldn't tell on my drive-in, Judd, if it was partly cloudy or partly sunny, and then I saw your tweet that we might not start this thing on time. It surprised me. It, it drives me crazy. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I know that 2019 is now a byproduct of not wanting guys to start to warm up the pitchers, or have them start and then have to stop and get uh, taken out. Sure. But it just seems to me that that we have entered an era of where we almost like purposely by accident play into the rain, if that makes sense. Right now, okay, it's humid. It might rain. Just start the game, though. I would just start the game, and then if it rains hard, it stops. But but this whole guessing thing of it might, man, it might rain at 12.15 to 12.20, but then it's going to stop from 12.20 to 12.35. It's just like, <laughs> let's, let's, just, let's just get out of the forecasting business, and if it's not raining, let's just play the ball game. Sure, or use an opener, and then if you got to scratch him, that's fine. No big exactly. deal. If only there were a way to avoid all this. Oh, stop it. Judd, I'm going to ask you another <laughs> no, question. Derek Wetmore, thank you so much. Thank you. He tried that on Mackie Judd with Romney yesterday. I want to express my gratitude towards you for stopping him right we're there. We're just cutting, cutting him off cold, and we're going <laughs> to ask you. a baseball question. because. Uh, so we were both there last night, and Byron Buxton was put on the seven-day concussion-injured list. Now, the Twins have stopped short of calling it a concussion, I guess, but to me, that's sort of semantical. Like, if you're suffering from concussion symptoms several days after, that's concerning to me. You were there this morning, though, Judd, in the clubhouse. What's the latest on the Twins center fielder? Well, it sounds like when you were here uh, for pregame access yesterday, the Rockers said they expected a bunch of testing to be done on Tuesday and have answers on Wednesday. It sounds like that didn't get done on Tuesday, and now it's going to be done today. Um, I, I think concussion-like symptoms now are, are the standard. It's the standard catchphrase because, Derek, if you recall with uh, Joe's last concussion, what was that, last year or two years back? They called it the same thing. They just say concussion-like symptoms. But, okay. but here's, the te- here's the most telltale thing to me w- without the results uh, of the testing being made public yet or being done yet. The most telling thing to me is that Rocco acknowledged that at some point in time during the course of the game yesterday, last night, they told Byron, go home and rest. Hmm. And, and I, concussions are so, dumb, are, are so tough, right? Because it's the human brain. Like, it's not like an ankle where we're like, well, I think this is, or, an, or a knee where we've got a month's timetable of, okay, it's going to be three months. So it's so difficult but, uh, to say this for sure. But I will say, if you send a guy home and ordinary, ordinarily right, it means he's sensitive to things like light. Mm-hmm. And it ordinarily means like it's easy for the concussion to be triggered. So I'm not saying that the Twins didn't do the exact right thing. I think they probably did. But that's a bit of a telltale to me that this could take a, a while. And, guys, keep in mind, too, Byron Buxton in, in, the, uh, in 2014 in that collision at AA New Britain with Kwasnicka yeah. was knocked out, not cold, out on the ground 
for a 10-minute period of time. That's a big deal. He also played high school football. We don't know if he uh, suffered concussions back at that time, but the point is he previously in his career, what now, five years back, had a major concussion. We know he's plagued and been plagued at times throughout the course of his career by migraines. So I don't, in this case, I don't fault the Twins one bit for being as absolutely cautious as possible. And, and I, think, I think you would have to be foolish to say that this is not a definite concern given Buxton's history, too. Did they say we're playing it safe, these are precautionary measures, or is there an air of, of concern around Byron Buxton right now? I think there's an air of concern, Rami, based on this, and this is the toughest thing. This is, this is one of very few things that you just don't know. Right. Like, you can't look in a guy's brain and be like, okay, this is that. So um, this doesn't have the feeling of, this, of just straight up we're being cautious. This has the feeling of we're being cautious and we're concerned, and on both counts, they're exactly right to be. Yeah, it's a tough one. There's there's only so much you can say. You know, you hope for the best for Byron as a person, and then from the Twins' perspective too, that it's really, boy, if you're going to be without him for any length of time, that's a tough needle to thread. But um, Judd, last night, Jonathan Scope got taken out of the game too, just shifting gears a little bit. Kind of yeah. grabbed his rib cage in that mid at bat, and that's what gave way to Luis Arise coming in and having an at bat for the ages, drawing a walk against ninety nine mile an hour fuel cold off the bench. Um, mm-hmm. What do we know about Scope today that we didn't know yesterday? Because I see that Luis Arise is uh, in the starting that was lineup at good. second You've base. Been I've been listening to Rami Mack. Why are good. you trying? Why are you trying to re- <laughs> usurp our poor guy? That's I mean, right. He's, he's, he's got a talent here. And why are you? No, I mean you didn't do poorly there, but why don't you just do what I do, which is say hey, Rami, Luis, say it. And then, Arise. Oh, there you go. You. Right. All right, so let me start this over. Yesterday, Judd, this this joker sitting across from me, he did my whole (laughs) outro. He did my whole outro about live from Minnesota, land of 10,000 rings. He's trying to render me worthless is what he's doing. He's going to cost me my job, Judd. Why is he doing this to you? I don't know. I don't know what I did to Derek Wetmore. Mean-spirited. Mean-spirited. So so Scope uh, rolled into the locker room today a little bit after 10 10 o'clock. Rocco hadn't seen him yet. Rocco volunteered up the information that Scope had gone for some type of testing this morning. Sure. And, and said that Rocco at that point didn't have the testing done. Scope uh, said, as you heard post game on Tuesday, that he was fine. He looks fine. Yes. But our guy, Luis Rami. Arise. There you go. Is playing so well and is so good at this point. Guess what? He probably should play, right? Rocco said, and he and he said this uh, in his pregame comments to us, and made sure that when because one person, not to be named, did start to chuckle a bit. He said, "No, I'm serious." He said something along the lines of, "I don't know how many guys in the world, okay, not just baseball, right, in the world could have had the at bat that Arise had. I'm sorry, Arise off of Diaz, O2 count." Basically a done deal, right, Derek? Yeah, it was. It, that is the toughest spot you could put a 22-year-old kid in. He's unflappable. Yes, and that, but but that's across the board, right? I mean, that that at bat was fantastic, and he did a great job. But the amazing thing is, I watched this kid sit bat at bats, and he takes at bats like he's 32. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, it's bizarre. And I that's mean, a, twi- a 22-year-old kid who who was signed by the Twins as an international what free agent in like 2014. He debuted in May, and and until now, I I don't even know if I had heard his name until May. And he takes at bats like, oh yeah, that's no problem, just a big league at bat. And Judd, that was one of the one of the first things I I read about him when he came up and started garnering some buzz with, with his early performance with the Twins. Was scouts said that no matter what level he played at, he always looked like he felt like he belonged. Like he he never it never seemed. Like he was overmatched. It never seemed like he he lacked confidence whatsoever. A lot like our guy La Tortuga in that way. A guy who, no matter what level he played at, people had their doubts about him, but just supreme confidence and always had that 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 confidence about him that he felt like he belonged at whatever level he was playing at. That's exactly right. Yeah, I mean he he just looked he he looks his approach o two or if he starts the game. His approach is, and I'm not trying to say that he's always going to be successful because in baseball you're not going to be, but everything is unflappable. It's like, oh, that's fine, yeah. It's like, dude, you're 22. You just started here. 
Most kids are e- eager, anxious, nervous. Yeah. He's none of those things. Wow. Or at least demeanor-wise, he doesn't come off as those right. things. That's right. What's uh, Judd, what's the clubhouse like today? Twins don't lose three games in a row, but still, you know, late night and then uh, day game turnaround. What is the What's the vibe like? You know what's f- funny, Derek, and this is not going to surprise you one bit? The vibe doesn't really change. It just doesn't. And and what Cleveland now beat Detroit again. And did I see this tweet right last night that Cleveland's now beat Detroit like nine times? Is that right? Year, or, or something ridiculous? <laughs> um, Cupcakes. But now, so Cleveland's pulled within five games. But I'm telling you guys, from Rocco on down, the vibe of this clubhouse doesn't change. Hmm. Guys stroll in sometimes a bit late, but guess what? There's no like curfew time, right, to, to show up. Um, but and ordinarily, if this was like a shift in things, you might be like, well, that's weird, but it's not. Baldelli has done a, and if this might, it might very well work all the way into a deep postseason run. I don't know. Maybe Cleveland comes back. I got no clue, but Baldelli has established a, a pattern of consistency here that I don't know that you're going to see it altered. And so like hmm. guys don't come in today like, oh my God. God, Cleveland's within five games. And you know what? The Twins, the, the end of last night's game was a lot of fun. And it was, it was. if you were a fan, the ninth was great. The game itself, I thought, sort of stunk. The Twins yeah. didn't play well. The Mets, are, the Mets are a dumpster fire. The Mets aren't good. The Mets, I mean, it, yeah, they're just a Mets. But, um, <laughs> but, but the end of that game was fun. But that game, there, there were a lot of things that I don't, I don't know if they were all negatives to take away, but certainly not your, your spotless baseball game. Certainly not a great play baseball game. But the demeanor of the manager and the demeanor of his players and his coaches is as consistent as I have ever seen. And to me, in baseball, that is impressive and imperative. The season's too long, right? Like, if you start to choke and you're like, oh, my God, we're choking, guess what? You're in huge trouble. So to answer your question in a long way, the demeanor of that clubhouse was probably exactly like it was when the Twins had an 11-and-a-half game lead on Cleveland on June 4th. Judd, you mentioned they, they didn't they didn't play great last night. They played good enough to to stay in a game with the Mets and make it exciting at the end. But one of the things that we saw last night that we've been we've been seeing a little bit of a pattern of this lately is some sloppy infield defense. Are you concerned about that at all? Um, you know what? A little bit. I, I wouldn't say for me personally, despite the fact I like to do this, that I'm sounding the panic alarm, Rami, right now. So, so you don't have to hit that okay. back in studio right I now. Won't. I had my finger on the trigger, literally. <laughs> me too. I, I, think, I think Derek would agree. You know, there have been some games and some times where the infield defense has been sloppy is a good word. I, I think at times, and this, and this is a little bit concerning, lackluster. Like, yes. Scope last night. Scope last night admitted postgame. I should have just realized that when I fumbled that ball and didn't get that ball, it was Wilson Ramos running. Yeah, he did. Like, Jonathan, okay, you're a veteran player. Be aware of that. It's Wilson Ramos. I could throw him out. Yeah, take your time. Yeah, so so it wasn't so much as the, as the fundamental uh, um, athletic mistake that Scope made that bugged me. It's the mental mistake, because you guys – those are the type of things that when we get into a potential race here for the Central Division title, which I guess could ha- happen, but certainly as you progress into the playoffs potentially, you've got to know that, right, Derek? I yeah. mean, that, that's, the type of, that's the type of thing that, that situationally know it. And, and then I, Rocco touched on this last night on the bases. He didn't elaborate, but on the, uh, on the Castro at bat, on which uh, Scope got thrown out when he mysteriously just took off, which I think might have been a hit and run that Castro missed or something. But those are the type of things that as we progress, especially against a team like the Mets, yeah. you should beat two games. I mean, I'm not, I'm not asking a lot here, right? Yeah. Two games against the Mets, win both games. Those are the type of things that, that they're going to happen. I'm not saying that mistakes aren't going to happen, but the type of things also that you would like to see cleaned up a lot and that if they do take place, don't take place much, if at all, as we progress deeper into the season. No, yeah, I agree with that 100%, Judd. I started to feel towards the end of the first uh, baseball's first half, not the mathematical first half, but that heading into the All-Star break, things started to get a little sloppy. And I excused it, and I kind of thought, well, A, this team could use a break. B, they're playing with some backups at a bunch of different positions right now. So 
let's give them the benefit of the doubt. They're one of the best teams in baseball. But here's how I feel about it now after watching last night's game, which you're right. Baseball justice was served that the Twins lost that game. I, I sort of feel like it's time now. It's time to clean it up. I know you're playing without Byron Buxton, so Max Kepler's not going to throw out the guy at the plate like Buxton would. Or I know right. you know yeah. Jonathan Scope's going to make some errors sometimes. Or I know Miguel Sano is going to boot a ball every once in a while and then make a nice player in the game to make up for it. But I think it's time now, boys, to start cleaning this up. You can't just look around and look for, well, we need a couple more relievers at the trade deadline. I think it's time to take onus of some of this stuff, clean up the play, and get back to the type of baseball that got you in this position in the first place. So, guys, what's the line there, though? Because, see, this is the really interesting dilemma or or conversation about the manager and and I think the executives here empowered the players a lot and and in the course of a baseball season especially when you've got when you've got guys like Gonzalez and Cruz and Scope that's a good thing but to your point Derek now how do you also come back and I'm sure it's possible it's just a fine line here how do you also now how do you also now come back and say, okay, gentlemen, sit down and listen this time? <laughs> That's right. No, I, you know. the way I view it, you're, you're exactly right on that. The way I view it is like it has to come from the individual or a teammate. I don't think Rocco should sit like down that. and have a lecture of yep. 25 minutes being like, clean it up, boys. We're talking fundamentals today. I think yep. it's more like Max Kepler should be upset with himself that he made a bad throw back in to potentially cut down a sack fly. Uh, obviously, you saw Scope after the game. He was frustrated with himself. It was like, hey, you hit a home run, but you made an error. And he's like, ah, I don't even care about the home run. I shouldn't have made that error. That's what I want to see. So I'm saying, like, I'm seeing the starting signs of it, but to me, it's not enough to be frustrated with it. You sort of have to do something about that frustration. Agreed completely. Yep, that's exactly right. Let me ask you one thing, Judd, before you go, because I saw your uh, headline yesterday. The column you wrote on... ScoreNorth.com. Will the Twins make a pitch to run at the World Series title? What's that column about? What can people find on the website right now? Well, it, it's just the it's the, the fine line between what we've heard about what the Twins will do, which is their major trade preference, as we are now, boys, two weeks out exactly from the deadline. Um, twins' preference, obviously, is to get controllable pitching, but there are going to be rentals out there as well. The rentals are, are going to cost you, but the rentals are probably not going to cost you as much as the controllable pitching will which in my mind is going to, the asking price is going to be uh, too high for the Twins' taste. But I definitely think, as we've been discussing here now for weeks, there is a golden opportunity here um, to make a trade to bolster your team. And I'm not just talking for a potential run from Cleveland. I'm talking into October, and I'm talking playoffs. And so it basically comes down to an analysis of will the Twins pounce because opportunities like this do not come around every year. And assuming that they will, just because you've got what appears to be a pretty good team for a while now is an extremely dangerous assumption. So will they pounce? And if they have to go to plan B, are they going to transition in the next 14 days quick enough to plan B to make something like a uh, trade for rental pitching work? Did you see Noah Syndergaard trying on Twins hats? Um, I did not. Okay. And I heard more this morning that he is not going to be moved by the Mets. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so, so that he will not be moved. But who knows with Look, the Mets, man? The market continues to shrink. If he's going to stay in town, and he just the problem is he doesn't have like a spot to stay tonight or something. We'll cover the cost of that hotel room for tonight, tomorrow night, however long it my takes to work out a deal. Is super comfortable couch surfing. I'll throw into my, my pillow. pillow. I'll throw into my, my pillow. pillow. <laughs> he can use my <laughs> pillow for the night. One last thing. Yeah. What what respectable major league team? Has two guys on and runs itself into a one five two five double play late in the game. <laughs> one five two five. Uh, as our buddy Perk said after it, he uh, Glenn Perkins was there in the press box and he said, "Well, if you had that on your Twingo scorecard, you're doing all right." <laughs> one, I mean, it it was comical, Derek. It was it, comical. Why one five two five? You are in a great position if you're the Mets and you do that. What? How boneheaded can you get? You said it. They're the Mets, man. All right, boys. Judd, thanks Thank for the you, time. Judd. Appreciate it. Talk to you guys. Enjoy that's, the show. Bye-bye. That's Judd Zalged out there covering Twins baseball or not, depending or on not. the weather today. It's crazy. Uh, but uh, you can read his work. I'm, I know he just put out some more tidbits. Judd's, Twins tidbits. Judd's, is at Target Field today. Judd's tidbits are out at scorenorth.com and the Score North mobile app. <laughs>
I just lost Derek. We should go to a break. It's the Score North first place twin show. Live from Bombasota, the land of 10,000 ranks, the magic number is 65. And we're back right after that. My baseball friends, Mackie here for Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Business owners, I'm talking to you, and I've been one myself. I know what goes into it. You love it, but you're grinding every day, solving problems, taking care of employees. It helps tremendously to have an insurance company that gives you peace of mind as you navigate the challenges of running a business. When you partner with Federated, you get more than just a policy. You benefit from over a century of experience in making businesses as successful as they can be. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect your how to become a fan of baseball and everything you need to know about how baseball works. And it might get a little crazy, but let's get straight to it. Whoever scores the most runs wins. It's the Score North Twin Show. Twins. twins coverage on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. Fly ball right field. Got a little carry to it. McNeil going back. He's at the wall. That ball is gone. And the fans and right field got their wish. Jonathan Scope just changed the score. That was the call last night from Dick Bramer on Fox Sports North, along with our guy Roy Smalley in the booth with uh, Dick for the next seven, eight games, I believe he told us. Good to hear, Roy. When he joined us yesterday on Mackey and Judd with Rami, and he joins us every Tuesday at 420 on Mackey and Judd with Rami. That was the uh, home run from Jonathan Scope before he exited with what looked like a oblique or intercostal injury in the ninth inning. Those intercostals, man, they'll get you. They're tricky. They're pesky. They're tricky. I don't I don't mean this in the degree like it's not as serious, but they they are like uh they are kind of like concussions in the sense that it's different for everybody. The timeline is always a little bit murky and a little bit cloudy. You never know quite how long those things are going to take to heal, but uh he went down with an injury just before the All-Star break, and Luis Rise stepped in and impressed. And I think we saw like sort of a microcosm, a, a snapshot of that last night in the ninth inning when Scope down 0-2 pulls that oblique or intercostal or strained a rib cage, whatever it was. And uh, Arise, Arise comes in with an 0-2 count. And I think it ended up being, what, like a, a 10-12 pitch at bat that ended up with him on first base with a walk. And... We sort of touched on this a little bit last week, Derek. The fact that how much does Arise have to do to, if not unseat Jonathan Scope as the starting second baseman? Because Scope has been plenty good himself, but at least earn some more playing time at second base, even when both are healthy. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating question because I do think there's some component of this too. There are a number of people yesterday I saw on Twitter.com that wanted him to pinch hit in that spot against Edwin Diaz. They're like, why is Scope going up here? Get Arise in there. Sorry, get Luis Arise. in there. And then that at-bat transpired the way it did, and it was like, okay, well, here's your shot. You get what you want. Probably didn't want him coming up cold off the bench with an 0-2 count. Right. But Did he even take any practice hacks? It looked uh, like he just grabbed the helmet and a bat and walked like, out Let's there. Go. Let's do this. What do you got? Like, 100? hey, it's it's an injury. You can warm up. He's like, I'm good. Warm up. This guy's only throwing a hundred. What do I need to warm up for? <laughs> Pushes I'm, his chin and cracks his neck bones. Like, let's go. Did nobody tell you I'm Luis Arise? <laughs> <laughs> so that at bat plays out the way it does. Uh, Scope has a long conversation with uh, athletic trainer Masa Abe and. Um, manager Rocco Baldelli, mm-hmm. and was basically asked to come out of the game is is the way I understand it from talking to people mm-hmm. last night. Hey, be careful with this. I know you want to get up here you know, and be a hero. I know I'm putting words into their mouths, but that's kind of the way I understand the conversation to have gone. Yeah. Scope wanted to stay in. Manager and trainer thought, eh, let's not mess around with this. Dude's throwing fuel Right up. If he if he gets a weird another weird swing, you're potentially talking about aggravating an injury that, as you talked about, you could start to be talking about an elongated absence. Yeah. So so they just didn't mess around with it. They went and they. It's a terrible spot to put Arise in. To be honest Arise. with you, it's a terrible spot to put that guy in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I won't false start you anymore. I'll just I'll tee you up for it. But it's a really really bad spot to put him in. O two. This dude's got a ninety eight mile an hour fastball. I saw him touch ninety nine on the target field gun the other day, uh, yesterday, and then 
what it's like 90 91 slider so okay has he been struggling a little bit in the closer spot maybe you could have that argument that like he's a little erratic and in in that perspective who would you rather have up there maybe than Nelson Cruz well Luis Arise has a great great eye at the plate in terms of controlling the strike zone and so from that perspective maybe it's a good spot but let's be honest here Raise your hand if you want to go up with an 0-2 count against a 99-mile-an-hour fastball. Oh, and no warm-up. Yeah, no That's what you. I thought. No hands no, in the air in the studio. Manny, uh, no, he's good, too. Hard pass. Yeah. <laughs> Manny and I were embarrassed by wiffle ballers. I don't, I don't, I don't think we're going out against <laughs> it. It's video. a no for me, dog. Yeah, that's going to be a no for me. <laughs> so, all right. That's a really tough spot. We've established that. And he not only comes through, but he sort of comes through with aplomb. He draws that full count walk and as that that last pitch wasn't that close by the way but just that sort of the tension of the moment and the drama that was infused into that spot because of Luis Arise his ability to control the strike zone it was it was so impressive to i mean to me sitting in the press box certainly to the twins teammates sitting on the railing in the dugout to his manager who had just knowingly put him in a tough spot and to the 28,000 plus who paid for tickets to go to target field and watch the twins last night. Yeah. He got a standing ovation for a walk. It was like, that's it, how impressive that, uh, that at bat was. You he get standing ovations for a walk in 2019. Legit could have flipped his bat and nobody would have been no, mad. for sure. <laughs> he turns to the twins dugout down the first baseline as he's running. And I don't know exactly what he said, but you know, for all intents and purposes, like pounds his chest, let's go. Whatever, whatever he said mm-hmm. to them, it's like a pump you up moment. It was incredible, uh, and then the twin stage what looked to be a rally ultimately fell short. But what I wanted to get to with this is like what a what a moment for him. Like La Tortuga had his moment, right? Mm-hmm. He hit kind of everywhere he went. Sort of an unheralded prospect, didn't really look the part. Gets up to the Twins and hits in his first. 100 plate appearances, whatever. But Williams Astadio became Williams La Tortuga Astadio when he went flying around the bases, helmet comes off, hair flowing back. Right. Freshly permed hair, probably. And frosted tips, too, it looked like. Oh, he's got the bleach going on. Good. And it was like an internet meme sensation. Everybody now who was not paying attention to the twins is now like, Whoa, the Twins have this dude, and he's the dude. And then Rami comes to Minnesota, and the rest is history. <laughs> that, to me, was Luis Arise's moment. That, that was the moment for Luis. Arise! Thank you. And I just, it's its so impressive to me. I, I don't want to overstate it too much. But going into that spot and coming out victorious is a moment to me. And I don't think that I'm overstating that. The thing that I wanted to get to is that, like, this dude, you might have to start looking at this guy as an actual guy, not just a fun little pop-up, energizer bunny kind of guy. We talked about him on the show Mm -hmm. yesterday, and our mutual friend, Judd Zolgad, brought up the fact that there can be nobody who's untouchable. Right. I think you're at a spot right now with Luis that you might not be leaning into trading him. I mean, that sounds unthinkable. And I, I'm not just overreacting to one walk here. Let me explain. Here's a guy who, like Astadio, sort of climbed through the minors and didn't really look the part. Right. I mean, he's a little guy. You don't look at him and see there's going to be pop in that bat. But, of course, in the juicy baseball era, there's pop in everybody's bat. He's hit at every single level he's gone to. Guys, if you spent any time, it's okay to admit if you have, have you spent any time on his Fangraphs page looking at his minor league history? I have not. Are we impressed? No. Uh, oh. Oh, impressed that you haven't? No, or impressed, impressed with, with what the numbers. Did, well, yes. I'll just give you the let's forget about the let's forget about weighted on base average and even I'll even skip OBP for now and and slugging. I just batting average has been the currency of baseball offense for 100 years sure. and so people will all get this. Uh Luis Arise in rookie ball 2014. I'm going to read all the batting averages. All of them start with three, except for one of them. I'll get to it. 2014, rookie ball, hit 348. 2015, rookie ball, hit 309. 2016, A ball, 347. 2017, high A, Florida State League, 
Uh, looks like he only got a handful of plate appearances, but he hit 385 in those plate appearances. So there you go. 2018 repeated at high A for uh, Fort Myers. Yeah, 320. And then when he was promoted to double A, which was then uh, Chattanooga in the Southern League uh, in 2018, that's when he didn't hit 300 at that level at double A. He only hit 298. Failure. So loser. You can see why he wasn't on any prospect lists. Wow. 2019 repeated double A, which was Pensacola to start the year. 342. Then he was promoted to triple A. 348. Now he's in the big leagues. His first 109 plate appearances with the Twins in sporadic playing time, 385 batting average. So It's amazing. Batting average isn't everything. I get it. But it's amazing to me that this dude has just hit everywhere he's gone. And I was even told uh, last night I was just doing some digging on Luis. Arise. And I found out that he's played a lot of Venezuelan Winter League, like Astadio. Mm-hmm. And so those those plate appearances aren't listed on his Fangraphs page. And I looked up his uh, minor league page; they're not there either. So I have to go do some more digging. But um, that he just goes there and he hits too, despite being young for the level. I I don't know. I, I sometimes we get in our head about prospect analysis and like, does this guy have the frame? And does is he going to be projectable? And how many pounds of muscle can he have? That's all important. I'm not trying to diminish the work of scouts. He's a muscle-bound little dude, though, is he not? He's, he's strong. Yeah. He's strong. I mean, like, look, he's got pop. Right. You've seen him go warning track and deeper. Right. So he's got a little bit of pop. Um, but I think at a certain point, there is this thought of, honestly, sometimes we just got to look at how is a dude for performs. Re- yeah, right. Exactly. Like, do I think that he's a future all-star second baseman based on that walk last night? I'm not ready to go there. But do I think that he has a place in the Twins lineup right now? It sure looks like he's playing his way into Over that. Jonathan Scope? Or well, splitting now you might time? Not have to choose. How would you handle it? Because uh, if you look at the numbers, and I know different sample yeah, yeah. sizes, but if you look at the numbers, Luis Arise is, is, at this point, right now, the more dangerous offensive player of the two. Pick, I mean, pick a stat... And smaller sample size for Arise. Whoa, I didn't even get it yep, right that, that time. That's pretty close. Arise. Smaller <laughs> sample size, but, I mean, the guy has a 960 OPS, yeah. a 450 on base percentage. Jonathan Scope is nowhere near that. Jonathan Scope, like I said, is having a good season. But every time Luis Arise gets into the lineup, he seems to impress. And you look yeah. at his numbers as a whole, and they are impressive at sure. the major league level. And you just laid out... What he did at the minor league level to get here. I got another number for you for Luis Arraiz. Sorry, mm-hmm. I wanted to get it's a all couple right. in. It's okay. We'll sprinkle them in, it's but fine. I'll tee them up. Mm-hmm. Walk rate in the big league so far, and again, hashtag small sample size. Walk rate, 11%. Strikeout rate, 7.3%. So if you're not a rate person, I can even just tell you, in 109 plate appearances, so 96 ABs, he's got 12 walks and 8 strikeouts. I mean... You can't control the strike zone in the big leagues much been, better than that. He's been hanging around La Tortuga. He has. Probably <laughs> opposite sides of the clubhouse, but I bet they I bet they connect from time to time. It's I, to, to answer your question on Scope V Arise, I we'll see what Jonathan Scope's severity is of this. Rocco Baldelli post game yesterday mentioned the word oblique, which of course makes you nervous. Right. But he was quick to say, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. It's too soon to say I'm a Manager of a first-place ball club. Those are my words, not his. But he should introduce himself that way. I mean, we introduce the show as the Score North first-place Twins show every day. Not just manager of the Live Twins. Live from Bombasota, the land of 10,000 race, magic number 65. <laughs> <laughs> I'm manager of the first-place Twins, Rocco Baldelli, who said oblique, but was cleared to say, hang on, this, you know, it's not a medical diagnosis. Let's wait and see in the morning. We'll evaluate him. Judges told him that he was going to have tests, but that Baldelli did not have the results of those tests mm-hmm. at the time of uh, the press media scrum with the manager. So let's wait and see, I guess. If Scope has to go on the injured list, this is easy. Plug him in. Let's right. go. If Scope is healthy enough and he's just going to take the day game off today, let that work itself out, and then you're good, I do still think you got to split some time there. I, I don't think that the Twins are going to go for a one-for-one swap. I, I just don't think that's going to happen because... Not anything statistical or anything like that. I would say it's 
part of the same reason why they wouldn't pinch hit for scope yesterday against Edwin Diaz. There is a certain element of veteran factor that six years ago when I was an angsty internet baseball writer, I would have said is hogwash. Mm -hmm. And covering a team, I do think that there's really something to that. That, hey, let's see what their numbers say against 98 mile an hour velocity and see if if scope is comparable to Luis. Arise. But there is also a, a sort of, I don't want to say mitigating factor, but do you know what I mean? Like you get bonus points for having been there before. You get sure. bonus points for composure, for, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be overwhelmed. And now for Luis, Arise. he is going to get those same bonus points for having been there against Diaz and coming through in a big spot like that looking cool as a cucumber. And like I said, scouts, their perception of him and the numbers say that yeah. he's never been overwhelmed at any level that he goes to. He keeps moving up and he keeps proving that he belongs where he is. I mean, it makes me wonder a little bit why he wasn't higher on prospect lists. But at the same time, we're talking about 30 games. Right. So and you maybe need me, to pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah, Manny, we're on all Luis sitting Arais, here. Not, sure. the, not the Bomba bus brakes. No, there are no brakes. There are no brakes on that. that. You can pump them all you want. I might just let off the gas, I guess. I, I'm not like going to the brake. You know that move where you're like, I got to slow down a little bit, but I got yeah. some space. Right. I like, might that just, light's going to turn green. I don't need to brake. <laughs> <laughs> might just like It'll let off. It'll turn green at some point. It's going to need to. <laughs> I might just <laughs> let my foot like ease off of the gas pedal a little bit before I anoint this guy like a perennial all-star at second base. But 30 games in, I'm very curious to see more of this kid at 22 and what he can do. I mean, for a rookie, he's been all kinds of impressive, and I think the Twins should want to see more. It's a good problem to have right now. That's a fair point. I was just going to say that. These are good problems to have. Because you're not even filled out. Like, that's the other thing. It's like, I started thinking... Hey, could this dude, while well, CJ Crone is out, could Sano go to first base? And can this dude take ground balls at third? I mean, Would that work? When the whole outfield was hurt, they stuck him in the outfield. And yeah. he looked ugly for a night. And then the second night was making some kind of impressive plays. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think you want that long term, which is another problem with Buxton being out. But if, if you have your full complement healthy on October 1st for game one of the American League Division Series, whatever day that's going to be, I don't know, I just made that up. At Target Field. I thought you had a calendar already. Is he going to be in the starting lineup for game one? That I don't know. That is a really tough spot. It's hard to say. It's hard to assess how the rest of the season is going to go from here. But on this day today, if everybody's healthy, I do think he's earned playing time. It's not just a, we'll sprinkle him in when there's a spot. This is a Marwin Gonzalez situation. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. Luis Arise. might be a better hitter than Marwin Gonzalez. Maybe. Like, we don't know. Sure. So... Much like with Marwin at the beginning of the season where it was, he is not an extra. He is in our lineup, and we are going to work our lineup around so that he gets played appearances. Shortstop, third base, left field, first base, and you're laughing. To me, that is what has happened with Luis Arise. And not bad. I'm working on it. Good. I just need microphone practice. I, I think that's it. It's the feedback loop. You need to be under public pressure to do it before you can confidently do it repeatedly. I think I'm there with him that you build a lineup with him in mind, not just, oh, we need to plug a spot. All right. Well, this kid could do it. No, no. It's this kid can do it. Let's mm-hmm. find a spot. Did you say you were an angsty internet baseball writer? That is, you were angsty. That was my former. Well, just the crowd was angsty. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I thought you meant like. like in, I thought you meant like you were an emo dude. No, okay. listening right. to like Good Charlotte. <laughs> yeah. and, no, I, it's pretty good pull, right? <laughs> no, bad pull. I just mean the collective whole of okay. like internet stats. Right. People are were very like. I thought you meant you went through a phase. That's no, okay. no. I mean, All I probably right. have. I don't know. But like, <laughs> I'm probably in a phase right now. Who knows? But uh, like, the the crowd was like, the mainstream doesn't know what they're talking about. Right. And now that's sort of quelled a little bit. It's, uh, that part has subsided, I think, from a pretty big corner of it. But I would have said, like, this is bunk. You can't just say hashtag veteran and he gets the spot. But now I've gone through four different managers, all of whom I consider like kind of otherworldly baseball intelligent. Ron Gardenhire, Buck Showalter, Paul Molitor, and Rocco Baldelli. And I think all of them would say you can't dismiss hashtag veteranness. So that's kind of that's that was the that was the throwback I was saying. My business cards might have used to say 
angsty internet baseball stats guy. He's angsty internet baseball stats guy, Derek Wetmore. You can read his angsty work at scorenorth.com <laughs> and on the Score North mobile app. I'm Robbie Makloff. This is the Score North First Place Twins Show. Live from Bombasota, the land of 10,000 ranks. Magic number is 65. We're back right after this on 1500scorenorth.com and the Score North mobile app. Let's bat around some banter. Twins. Twins. The Score North Twin Show on Score North and scorenorth.com. All right, time for a Score North download on Manny Hill. It's 1247, and it is time to let you know and remind you that Appy Hour, that's right, Appy Hour is this Thursday, that's tomorrow, from 4 to 6 on the Score North mobile app. Score North is giving away a four-pack of Twins-Yankees tickets for Tuesday, July 23rd. All you have to do for your chance to win is open the Score North mobile app between 4 and 6 p.m. tomorrow that's Thursday, and enter to win. Don't have the app? No problem. Just download it, register, and enter for your chance to win uh, through listener rewards. Your only window to win these Twins-Yankees tickets is between 4 and 6 p.m. on Thursday. That's tomorrow with the Score North mobile app and Score North's Happy Hour. Now back to the uh, Score North First Place Twin Show. Yeah, get that mobile app. It's free. Yes. Cool. It's awesome. You can stream us live, download, listen whenever you feel like it, subscribe, leave your comments, give us those five-star ratings, and it's your one-stop shop for all written content from uh, scorenorth.com, including Derek Wetmore's thoughts on the Minnesota Twins. Uh, last night, Roy Smalley, who again joins Mackie and Judd with Rami every Tuesday at 420, he uh, he was talking about the adjustments. We, we've heard about Miguel Sano making adjustments, and I didn't realize until Dick Bramer said it last night. He was on an 11-game hitting streak before last night. I knew that he was improved and uh, on the uptake, but I didn't know that it was going quite that well for Miguel Sano. He was 0-4 last night, so the hitting streak stopped. But Roy Smalley talked a little bit more in detail than we've heard about exactly what James Rawson and Miguel Sano have been doing with his swing. Well, he was working. He, he spent a lot of time with James Rawson, uh, and, and, and Rawson finally convinced him about how his hands have to work differently than they than they were. And I, I did a demonstration in one of my pregame shows. So no swing used to be from his hands in a high position. It would be down and back up and then around. And there was a big loop in the big end of the bat. Opposite of Eddie, what we're talking about, Eddie Rosario being able to do it. Notice his stance now. His hands are more in front of his body and they're a little bit lower. And what Rouse is trying to get him to do and what he's done successfully in this streak is hands and big in the back more directly to the ball rather than the big looping long swing. And he's really making progress. It won't be perfect all the time. This is a big change he's trying to make mid-season in the big leagues. It's a mechanics change that is not that easy when you've done something and been successful at something else your whole life. But to his credit, Rouser's finally convinced him that he had to he had to change what was going on. You see his hands lower and a little bit more in front of his body there. And he's trying to go directly back and then directly to the ball. So they're He's trying to eliminate wasted motion, is what it sounds like in Miguel Sano's swing, right? Instead, of, he was cocking back, and there was a big loop in the back end of his swing. Now, Smalley is saying the hands are more out in front, and it's more of a direct hands-to-the-baseball type of swing. That is a huge adjustment, and Roy said this too, to try and make midseason, Derek. Yeah, yes it is, and it, but it's also the job. Right. I mean, that's what... You have to but there are, the big leagues. There are tweaks, and then there are major adjustments. This yeah. is more of a major adjustment to his swing, I would I don't say, know. Is it, tweak. though? Like, I, you're still just going to be the power guy. Sure. So I don't think that they're making the change from, like, giant leg kick, try and get it all and guess a spot and just swing for the fences to, uh, you know, Paul Molitor, Ted Williams. Yeah. Hands right here <laughs> and don't move them until the ball, like, is crossing home plate, and then you <laughs> fire off the quickest swing you've ever seen in your life, and like just spray it. Sure, it's it's an adjustment. And if Roy, if what I have not examined the mechanics yet, but I trust Roy. Yeah, um, it sounded like saying, that was coming straight from James Rousen. And there's another guy I trust, right? Fully, <laughs> like 
You know how we talked early in the year about how the pitching plan was working under Falvey yes. and Wes Johnson, Jeremy Hefner, and on and on down the list of all of the people involved with the, the pitching plan? That you would be naive as a pitcher to come in and be like, well, this is my fastball. You know, especially if you're 23, 24, and if they ask you, hey, would you be willing to try something else? Yes, sir. Of course, sir. That is how I would respond to that. Like, those guys earned that. I would say the exact same thing about James Rawson and Rudy Hernandez, that those two guys working in tandem for the past few years and especially seeing the fruits of their labor this year, how do you do anything but trust those guys implicitly? So that, to me, is the biggest thing here that you're talking about. It's difficult in season to abandon what you believe to be what works for you versus what a James Rousen, for example, might be saying, hey, actually, why don't you try this? That's That, to me, is a big adjustment. But let's be honest about it. Miguel Sano's numbers made that decision, right? Yeah. Not necessarily Miguel Sano. Like, it was still hitting for pop. The slugging percentage, I'm looking up at the start of this streak that you just mentioned, Rami. That uh, 11 or 12 game hitting streak, whatever it was. His slug, he was still slugging 483. So, I mean, dude's got pop. But he was hitting 195 with a sub 300 on base response. So, so like that's when everyone was pulling their hair out that Miguel Sano strikes out too much. Do you want to hear his numbers the last so 13 games now if you include last night's offer? Yeah. I'm on his baseball reference page right now and I did the handy tracker tool. 341 batting average, 426 on base, 756 slugging. He's pretty good. He's an all-star. Yeah. I mean, that's only a dozen games. Baker's right. dozen, but... Like, right. So if the change has taken hold and is taking place, giddy up. And that there were two words that Roy Smalley used twice in that, that clip that we just heard right there. Finally convinced. <laughs> did you catch that? Yeah. And it, so, it sounded like mm-hmm. that was coming from I James did. Rousen. Like, that was that was what James... That, that was how James Rousen described it to him. He didn't say, he didn't say quote... What sure. James, but it sounded like that's where that was coming from. Finally convinced. So this is, it sounds like this is something that they've been telling him for a while. And he was just like, I got this guys. I know what I'm doing. I've been right. hitting my whole life. Do you? <laughs> do you? It's what I do. I remember 2015. I do, I do this. <laughs> I, I remember 2015 and like, yeah, you knew what you were doing. And then there have been question marks ever since. Here's. Think for me, I, and I don't know if this is a conscious trade off that the twins are making, but Sano is strong enough that if you are trading a little bit of like distance, a little bit of pop for a contact, that's a trade I'm making all day long. With yeah, this guy for right sure. Now. now, there's a there's a logical extreme. I don't want him to try to be, you know, Juan Pierre circa 2003 and just like try to not strike out. That's not who Sano is. He's going to strike out in 30 plus percent of his plate appearances. But if he's also slugging 500, that's cool. That's that's who he is. He's more Joey Gallo than Juan Pierre. Stop trying to make him Juan Pierre. But, uh, boy, there does become a point where it's tough to keep the slugging percentage up if you're just not making contact with anything. If you're striking out 45% of the time, that's unplayable. 30% you can live with. So there's a happy medium there for Sano where if I'm willing to trade a little bit of slug and, and and distance on those home runs for the ability to put the bat on the ball. And when you look at Miguel Sano, he's always going to be a high strikeout guy. That is not going to change. Even, I don't think so. Even peak Miguel Sano is going to strike out a ton. That's That's never going to change. So if if that's what annoys you about Miguel Sano, you'll continue to be annoyed. That's that's not something that's going to go away. Sure, if you got a 35 home run hitter hitting eighth in your it's lineup, it's probably less annoying. I think you'll be okay with that. I, he won't get to 35 this year, plate appearances and all that. But um, I mean, even in 2015, Rami, to underscore your point, he came up and he was a sensation, a sensation that he was in a lineup with good Brian Dozier and. Joe Maurer and um trying to think of some of the other bats featured that year. But like Miguel Sano came up early July 2015 and was instantly the most feared hitter in the Twins lineup. Like right. basically overnight. Yeah. That doesn't happen for a then young rookie. Even in that season that we all remember so fondly, even though gosh, it was five years ago now. 35.5% strikeout rate. So like 
you just said it. Right. Peak Miguel Sano is going season, to strike out. In a dominant season, <laughs> he struck out 35% of the time. I mean, yeah. That's just, and that's just 2019 baseball, man. There, there, so. there are guys around baseball who live on their power and strike out a ton. Yeah. But right. as long as they're hitting well, right. aside from the strikeouts, then it's fine. You take it. That's it's, a trade. It's, it's when he's struggling to hit, period, and he's striking out a lot. That's when it just drives right. you crazy. No pop plus strikeouts will mm-hmm. not play. And then when you boot a ball at third base, it stands out a lot more. Right. Yep. Like, he made a nice play, nice charge play last night, but he also made what I would have called an error. I think they gave it a base hit, but like he's not been perfect at third base. His skill, his ticket to the big leagues right now is pop. But you go watch batting practice of this dude. I am not kidding. I watch a fair amount of batting practice. Mm-hmm. He is impressive, like otherworldly impressive. I mean, there are guys who can do what he can do, but there aren't many. There are not very many, and... I mean, we saw it in the Home Run Derby a couple of years ago, didn't we? It's Yeah, he didn't mm-hmm. put on as big a show as I thought he would have. Right. But this dude, here's the thing. A 560-foot home run counts just as much as 350 if you clear the fence. Did we put on as much of a show as you thought we would here today on the Scorer's First Place good. Twins show? You got a lot of Luis Arise. name calls in, mm-hmm. and I think that's what we were going for. That's what the people want. We also had Judd Zolgad. We Guess somehow booked Judd Field. Zolgad. That was amazing. <laughs> for Derek Wetmore, Manny Hill, I'm Robbie Makloff. This has been the Score North First Place Twins show. If you own a small to medium-sized business that kept employees on payroll through COVID, you may have a big cash refund waiting for you. The Employee Retention Credit is a tax credit of up to $26,000 per employee. And now, more businesses than ever qualify. The experts at RefundsPro.com specialize in cutting through the red tape of qualifying for this government program. Most of their refunds are over $100,000. Even businesses that have received PPP funds may be eligible. And there are absolutely no fees unless you receive a refund. So there's no reason not to apply. If your business experienced shutdowns, limited capacity, supply chain challenges, or reduced revenue due to COVID, you likely qualify. RefundsPro.com has already helped hundreds of businesses. So don't lose the refund you're owed by missing the deadline. Get started today with a free 5-minute questionnaire at RefundsPro.com. That's Refunds with an S, Pro.com.